Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, the second weekly flagship show from Heart and Hand. My name's David Edgar, and I'm joined this week by my guest, Mr Alex Staff. Hiya, David. How you doing? I'm good, my friend. Now, Alex, you're well-known, I think, as the, the most optimistic codder when it comes to Rangers and somebody who perhaps has a slightly sunnier disposition than, than certain others, although in, in the case of, say, Big Scott, Paul Pott had a sunnier disposition about things. Um, but I, I would say that this morning, the, as we record this, then I, I I think that you would be perfectly entitled to be feeling a bit upbeat. Um, I, I'm. Uh, this is going to sound strange, almost. I'm of the opinion that to you know I've asked the question a million times to people: What do you prefer, a good performance or a good result? And you never get anybody answering. Oh, it's got to be the performance. It's the performance. You know, everybody just looks at results. Yet when we get a result where we don't play well, you still get the same amount of moans. And, you know, I'm of the opinion that if you've won a game and you haven't played well, that's a positive. That's a good thing. Um, so whilst I am completely in agreement with those who say we were lucky last night, uh, I uh, I can't see how you can be negative about it, you know. And, and the fact that maybe Hibs and Neil Lennon was crying, how can you not enjoy that? Absolutely. It's, it's just, you know, Christmas a little bit early, I would say. We will break down the game in a bit more detail and on this show I think that we do try to cover if we haven't played well or you know guys who maybe made errors and stuff and it's it's just a bit, bit of analysis and breaking it down and and uh, doing that for the supporters so that, that we don't just tend to go you know, rah 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 we're great, rah 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 we're pish um, but we do have to I think have the caveat today that both of us have said on, on the various Heart and Hand shows this week and the other podders have all said a win on Wednesday night, under the circumstances, regardless of how it is achieved, is a great result and must be viewed that way. And anything that I think we say as we break down the game has to have that caveat attached because going into that match with so many first-team players out, with a midfield comprising an 18- and a 19-year-old who between them haven't mustered up a half-campaign of starts and to go a goal down, to get three points from that match, regardless of individual performances or things that we could have done better, is so far, for me, the best result that we've had since we came back up to the Premier League. And, I, I, and even ahead of the, the Aberdeen games, I'll say that. I, I would agree, actually, yeah. Um, the, only, the only one before that, not not quite as bad a circumstance, but a similar circumstance was obviously we went to Petodri under Kashinia, under and we had you know Beerman at left back and Bates making his first start and all that sort of stuff. You know that was also you know it wasn't a pretty win, but we won that game three 0 and in the circumstances it was huge. Uh, but last night was probably even bigger because in many ways 
the games that Kashinia took charge of last season were, were getting towards meaningless, you know? Yeah. It was, we were never really getting anywhere. We were going to sit third, and that was that. Um, last night was a game where, you know, Hibs are only three points behind us. Aberdeen sitting level in points with us and smashing St. Johnson yesterday. Uh, we needed that win. Um, it was a lot more pressure on the team than there was at any point. Uh, last season, really, after the league became, you know, so so one-sided. So, so yeah, I would agree. Um, since we've come back up, that's probably been, uh, you know, most what's the best word? Possibly most surprising one, given the circumstances that we were getting at. For me, I go a lot on feel. Um, because football is an emotive game and although on here we do try to break it down more rationally you know the day after for example we do a a post-match reaction pod and I do a post-match reaction video and we admit that those just capture how we're feeling at that second the next day we, we try to come to it with a little bit of more rational thought but my feeling is yes it was the big because that's how I felt at the time I was like this is a proper Rangers result we did not play well we went to a team who who hate us but through a lot of grit a lot of determination and yeah a wee bit of luck but earned luck we were able to emerge with the three points and for me it's a huge gap jumped by this team where they've shown to themselves and to us as well, but more importantly to themselves, that they can do that, that they have quality in areas where we can hurt teams. Graham Murty spoke about it before the match, that he was confident that we had quality to hurt Hibs. We proved that, but then we showed a, a kind of gutsiness to to realise, I think, look, we're not playing well, so we need to adapt to the circumstances of this match rather than just... Try the same things, or try desperate things, i.e. long ball, or just throw up our hands and say, "Well, it's not our day," which which has happened. Uh, I think we'd be fibbing if we said it hasn't happened to Rangers since we got back in the Premier League, where the teams have maybe settled for a result with fifteen twenty minutes to go. There was none of that last night. That team were determined that they were getting away with those three points, and they they dared Hibs to come and and wrestle those points off them, and Hibs were unable to. Yes, yes, absolutely. It was just, uh, uh, you, you touched on exactly what won as the game. It was just an acceptance of, right, boys, we're no, we're no doing well here. Let's just uh, let's keep it simple, work our balls off. Um, and if they're going to score a goal, it's going to have to be an absolute belter because we're not giving them anything. And, uh, you know, that was ultimately what won as the game. The two moments of magic. And I think it's fair to describe both as two moments of magic. When Dassey's goals... Every time I look at it, I think that's, you know, it gets better each time I watch it. It's a really good goal. Um, and then, obviously, Morelos, he's, you could actually hear Jason Holt celebrating that before anybody else realised <laughs> it was in. It was so surprising, you know? Uh, blame the goalkeeper as much as you want for that one. The very fact he had the confidence and the ability to, to get into that position and hit that shot was, was excellent. So, you know, it was about attitude last night and... It's also worth pointing out in that respect, then, we lost our captain and, you know, obviously on-field leader in Kenny Miller after only 13 minutes. Sorry, possibly a little bit later than that. But um, we still uh, we still showed a good attitude. You know, I've heard some... During the game, it was easy to complain about the fact that we were losing second balls and all that sort of stuff, but sometimes that happens. As you say, the team didn't just chuck it. They didn't stop, you know? And that was from the back. That was from West Fodderingham onwards. After he let in that first goal, he was in the zone. He just was not letting any more in. And the rest of the team kind of grew from there, I think. What what pleased me the most, Alex, was I felt that pretty much every player got better as the game went on, um, or did better in the second half. And again, we we will talk about the passing and whatnot. It was, it was, was poor at times last night, if we're being totally honest. But everyone, I think what they couldn't provide in skill last night or what wasn't working in terms of skill they, they thought right well okay I don't have my passing boots on I don't have my eye in or whatever I'm going to make up for that by giving 110% by winning my personal battle whatever it is on the field and they did that and it surprised Hibs and you could see that it surprised Hibs because I am sure that they felt if they were able to put us under sustained pressure and go at us continually that we would fold under that and it looked at times early on that that might be the case but then in the second half having watched the game back it didn't and even though we were panicking 
and like I say, you know, you when we're tweet, tweeting live. It's 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 a different thing because you are watching the game without that you know prior knowledge of the result. But watching it back this morning, we don't give a hell of a lot away in that last twenty minutes once we've made the change to cope with their wingers who who were given us who were given us problems. No, we don't. Um, you know, it's easy, as you say, during the game when you've seen that many crosses coming in um, to get a bit worried about it, especially after last season when any team that put in that amount of crosses against us would have scored five, let's mm. be honest. Correct. Um, you know, the way we used to defend those things last season. So, so yeah, it's easy when you see all that to get a bit panicky, but we um, it was a little bit reminiscent of of beating St Johnson we played a lot better that night when we beat St Johnson away from home but if you remember all the corners that they had and yes. the pressure that they had and we just dealt with it you know just stood up to it and had no issues dealing with that and didn't didn't just chuck it in any way or, or just you know accept that you know they were going to score at some point we weren't for that and, and uh, you know that was it was a bit like that last night you know just just dis- determined that they weren't getting another goal and I mean their goal came from yeah some poor defending to begin with, but it was a big dirty deflection. that's put that in the back of the net. You know, he wasn't being fluttering on with that shot. No, he wasn't. After that, after that, it was really just uh, the boy Barker in the second half, wasn't it? I it mean, really was, yeah. It really was. He he was the the guy I think that has made the perception of the game. I think what it is. I think you remove him from that Hibs team um, in the second half. The rest of them didn't contribute an awful lot. But we'll go through the game then. Um, Rangers. Hibs both started I thought fairly erratically there wasn't a lot of quality early on Hibs began to take a I think a slight grip on the midfield at that point and then they got a goal poor play from Rangers um, Declan John caught out of position again um, Young Barjonas sloppy didn't trap back correctly um, loose ball in the, the middle of the park Bruno Alves some people felt did okay in terms of jockeying the guy I felt maybe should have been a little bit more purposeful, given that there was a gap, and it wasn't his fault there was a gap, but um, there was, and then, as you say, the unlucky deflection, and Kenny Miller goes off, Rangers look very much up against it, don't really play well in that first half an hour, 35 minutes, it would be, I think, a bit um, remiss of us to suggest that they did, and it took... A couple of excellent saves, one in particular top draw save from Wes to, to keep the score down. And we're kind of thinking, I, I would say, around about the 40th minute that if we get in at half-time here 1-0, then we can go again. But a lovely goal, lovely goal from Josh Windass. We'll talk about the two goals in a minute, but um, we go, right, great, we've, we've, we've got out of jail here. We then manage somehow to get a second and go in in the lead and... Then Rangers, the second half, just emerged with a new attitude, new determination. Hibs fly at us down the flanks because I felt they weren't winning the midfield battle at that stage. They couldn't play through us, so they went wide and got a bit of joy there for about 10-15 minutes. They hit the bar and they hit the post, both through the same player, and he also had a shot just over the bar. Uh, the young lad Barker have got on loan from Manchester City. But then we changed formation to a 5-4-1. We brought David Bates on. We went to quite a tight three in the centre of defence. And that allowed us to double up on their full-backs, uh, which meant that instead of getting round us and behind us, which they'd been doing, they started having to cross from the full-back area. And having watched it back, Alex, with the exception of the penalty claim, which we will we'll talk about in a second, they didn't really trouble us uh, in that, that spell. Wes didn't have the saves to make that he'd had to make previously. He did make one tremendous double save, which almost didn't count because there was an offside up. But I just thought his reaction at that second, when he got up, he didn't know it was, wasn't offside, and I thought that was, was a tremendous save. I, that that was my take on the game and having watched it back I think that it's one of these strange games Alex where maybe your perception of it live which was that Hibs totally dominated and were seconds away from, from getting getting a, a, a result was, was really only kind of 15 minutes in that second half and after that I felt I felt between maybe kind of 55 and 70 Yes, they could claim that they were by far the better team and looked like scoring. But in the end, Rangers were just pretty comfortably repelling anything they had to offer. So uh, the idea that, that, you know, Lennon espoused that they'd given us a terrible doing and that they were, you know, brutally unlucky to have not come away with anything, I'm not 100% having watched it again that I totally subscribe to. 
Yeah, and, and you know, it's worth pointing out when we say this as much as I hate to, to defend him in any way, that Lennon's obviously speaking like we would have been last night with plenty of emotion um, having not re-watched the game. You know, I'm pretty sure when he goes back over that way his team in the videos, he'll be saying there was a lack of quality towards the end of the game. That a lot of the crosses were wasted or from deep or, or such like. You're right, they didn't create very much. In fact, the, the penalty claim was probably the only time in that spell where one of their players got a header to a cross. And it was, you know, such a poor header it's actually caused the issue for yeah. Gates. Um, but, you know, that side, they, they never really, you know, Wes didn't have too much to do. He was coming and claiming really deep crosses as well. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Yeah, he, um, Murphy got it right when he brought Bates on. Um, I found it interesting in his, his post-match interview when he was saying, you know, we need to be better at stopping the crosses, but we weren't doing that tonight, so we changed it. Now, a lot of managers would have brought on Lee Hodson and doubled up on the wing and tried to stop the crosses. But Murty just decided, it doesn't matter what I do here, we're not stopping these. So let's, you know, Deal with stop them. them from getting chances mm. from them. Um, and that's that's pretty good management, to be honest, you know, because there was, yeah. it would have been, you know, it's not the entirely obvious answer at times, but he's, he's made a good choice there by doing that. Um, and that, that was, you know, it made a big difference. So as you say, those last 20 minutes, from a fan's perspective, we're absolutely breaking it, but the players probably felt a bit more comfortable than we did. I think so, and and like I say, having what you watch that fifty-five to seventy-minute period, and it's like, yeah, I mean, Hibs are the boy Barker is rampant on, on his wing, and uh, he's he's going past players, he's cutting inside, getting shots away. Very unlucky with two. Uh, got to be honest, there he was unlucky with two. Um, but after that, yeah, Rangers were okay. You can cross from your full back areas. We we don't mind that. We'll deal with that, and and we did. We dealt with everything. The goals, uh, watching, as you say, I think they get better every time you watch them. For the first one, there's a lovely pass from Jason Holt that, that Josh Windass latches onto. Great first touch, and then at speed, smashes low into the bottom corner. Terrific finish, but a, a really well-worked goal. It was, yeah. I mean, Candace has obviously had a bit of luck when he's been closing down and the ball's kind of deflated off of him into home. Well, well but... again, you make your own luck, you know, as you say, yes, it has, but, but it's, it's not like he's been stood there waiting for it. He's, he's ran in to try and put pressure on the ball and got a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what was good from there was there was no, you know, it was it was instant, you know, hold straight away into Windass. Windass's first touch, as you say, perfect. And uh, kind of. The goal gets better each time I watch it in terms of the accuracy, but you have to also remember that this is a right-footed player smashing that in with his left foot from Correct, from outside yeah. the box. It was it was a great finish. Uh, I think it's worth pointing out to the listeners, and I know that uh, this is possibly a little unfair, but um, Rangers can thank uh, Mr. Scott Van Der Acker for for Josh Windass's goal last night uh, because because as David yes. can attest to, literally seconds before he scored, but. Scott was asking us all, is Josh Windass having his worst ever game for Rangers? Literally um, seconds. <laughs> I, I hadn't finished typing my reply to him on our WhatsApp group when uh, suddenly the you know Josh goes through and smashes it away and I was able to amend my answer to Scott, you know fuck all, which was a hugely <laughs> pleasing moment, which is why Josh Windass is already a shoe-in for the Heart and Hand Player of the Year, regardless of how the, the fan vote goes, I will fix yeah, it. Like He's it. going to win it for that. The second goal, um, as you say, I mean, to what the opportunity is terrific, but when you watch the, the, the shot back again, guys, Look at one particular touch from Alfredo where he's he's kind of worked a bit of space to get by the lad, but then he just pushes it past him at an angle and suddenly the shot's on. Whereas if he'd gone even slightly wider with it, a cross was all he could have done. But it's a beautiful touch that just opens up the goal slightly for him. And as Alex, you said earlier, yes, the keeper should save it, 100%. But that's not an easy skill, A, to get it on target from there, because it's an acute angle, and B, to generate the power he does with so little back lift. It's a tremendous finish, it really is. Bad goalkeeping, yes, but there's not a lot of players on that field could have scored that goal. No, there's not a lot of players playing in Scottish football could have scored that goal. Um, you know, it's it's one of those ones that that's a sign of a quality striker um, in terms of just, as you say, that touch. It's, it's the sort of thing that's... that's 
it's underrated. It's not really noticed in the moment. But that little extra touch, just just in the right angle, you know, mm-hmm. which which um, the goalkeeper's looking at his eyes. The goalkeeper's looking at his body shape. Oh, he's he done him with the eyes. Cut this back. Yep, he done him know? with the eyes. Uh, he's done him with the eyes, as as, 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 as you say. But I think. Um, People are talking about, you know, he might not have done that if he wasn't a bit more confident or whatever. But they always hit shots from anywhere. Um, if you remember his goal against Dundee, I broke the yeah. second one. Yeah. Uh, it was ridiculous. But that was a shot. It wasn't a cross or anything like that. It was a shot. And he does this. Um, and you're going to get goals like that when that's your attitude, you know. Uh, you're going to get You're going to make. You can't really expose a goalkeeper's mistake if you're not hitting True. the shots. And you've got to you get know? it on target. And and even yeah, so, even as he does that, even if the keeper is diving to, if he doesn't catch that properly, the keeper's got time to react. It's because he's leathered it and it's past the keeper before he's realised what's happened. And it was just as you say, Jason Holt realised I think before all all of us did that he'd yeah. he'd put it away. And just just such a terrific goal and. And yeah, and we, we've done well in the second half. I thought, as I say, in the first half, I was kind of critical of Alves, um, but I thought he marshalled, he, he looked more like the guy we thought we were um, getting and, and he played very well in the second half. And I, and I thought Danny Wilson had an excellent match. I criticised him at the weekend, but I felt that was that was probably up there with his first Aberdeen match in terms of the best I've seen him um, recently or even at Murrayfield earlier in the season. Now, the penalty incident, let's... I'm a, it was a penalty as far as I was concerned but we were denied a stonewaller in the first half as well yeah I know the whole two wrongs don't make a right thing or apply um, it was it was a stonewall penalty there's no no denying that it was a mistake probably more by the assistant uh, referee than, than the referee himself he would have had the better view of that um, must admit at the time you know just watching it live and obviously the angle you're watching it on TV isn't as good but didn't really see it as a handball. I thought it was a bit of a, a cheeky shout until you seen the replay. So I could maybe understand. Some you can sometimes tell a handball by the way the ball comes down. You know, as opposed to hitting the chest, the ball come down at a slightly kind of slower, different angle when it hits the hand. It didn't do that, which is why I thought uh, you know he's chested that and then get rid of it. Um, so I can maybe see why why they didn't give that. Uh, but it should have been a penalty, as you say. We should have had one in the first half, uh, albeit. Albeit kind of soft, I suppose. You know, with a shot grabbing in a corner or a set piece happens all the time. So uh, you, you sometimes call them kind of soft penalties, but it should have been a penalty as well. Uh, but ultimately, let's be honest here, how many referee decisions can we point to this season that went our way? Exactly. We only need to look back at the last Hibs game to well, see well, that, that we've not that, had much joy there. That's exactly it. I mean, that, that was, I think, by common consent, probably the worst refereeing performance a lot of us have seen in a long, long time at least. And we were told at the time that these things even themselves up over the season, but it appears that that adage only works if you're the side who have benefited from the decision. And I think last night, Neil Lennon's pain at the end of the match he went full wibble um, we know he's always admired Martin O'Neill and he was in full extraordinary mode last night because um, I don't think he realises how how much his pain after a result like that sweetens the deal for us because if it was me Alex right, and I knew that those bastards out there were going to be waiting cock in hand to laugh at me if I came out like that, I would play it a lot cooler just to deny them the pleasure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you if you noticed these little wave towards the fans as well as we were giving them abuse from the away end, um, things like that. Yeah, I, I agree. If you know if you know they're going to be enjoying any sort of anguish that you show, then you would be doubly determined not to yeah. show it. I, I think Neil Lennon is, um, and I've said this for years back when he was a player as well. Um, Neil Lennon is actually an intelligent man. When you look at him doing the punditry um, over the years and uh, times, he, you know he, he can come across quite well. He isn't—he isn't the idiot that he, he, he quite often comes across as um, when he's on a pitch or he's involved in football. But for whatever reason, the game seems to snap something in him. You know, mm. uh, and we've seen that with his personal life as well. Uh, the guy has, you know, issues. Mental health issues, and you know, I never take them lightly. But he definitely has something, and football isn't, you know, very, very supportive of those. Um, and I think, as you say, he's he's probably been thinking, especially during the game. You know, give the fans away when we're calling him a wanker and all that sort of stuff. You know, he's probably been happy to 
to kind of you know give and take a little bit but after the game he's just completely lost any rationality um, and, and as you say he just gave us exactly what we were looking for please cry about this Neil you know if he came out afterwards and said oh, you know we played really well give credit to the Angels they fought they fought hard for it we, we, we should have got something from it a little bit disappointed we'd have been gutted <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally. Come out for an interview like that, you know? That's the uh, time to play the full Owen Coyle when you come out and you give it the remarkably upbeat. You know, you yeah. you just come out and you go, oh, we were great, it wasn't our night, oh, I got stiffed by that decision, but like, these things happen. And you can go back into your dressing room and, and you could have talked to that kind of homeless tramp guy that was sitting on the bench which, um, next to him, which was good. Well, I'm Talon Thompson. I thought he was his. He's drinking buddies. He now just found some guy off the street. To, to I don't know who that guy was. It was a mighty beard, wasn't it's it? It's Gary Parker, <laughs> believe it or not. You're kidding. No, it's, it's Gary Parker. It's the assistant manager. I'm pretty sure the last time I seen him, he didn't have a hair in his face. How <laughs> the hell did they do that? That's like that bit, you know, um, that Santa Claus film with Tim Allen, <laughs> where he just like instantly grows a full beard. That's that's kind of where the hell did that come from? I, I just um, I just think that the we're told all the time that the house prices in Edinburgh have skyrocketed over the last few years, and I just think he's proof that I think he's decided to save his salary by sleeping in his car. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when, when you're a club that's renowned, shall we say, for um, a, a seamier side of life, it's probably best that your assistant manager doesn't look as though he's auditioning for the part of a ace in the 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 Viz musical. But um, yeah, no, it was uh, it was fun. I'm not gonna lie, Neil Lennon's tears are delicious, and thank you, Neil, for providing a a, a fresh can of them for for the Rangers support. So we move on, Alex, because great result, four wins in a row. Um, not easy in, in this league because if we look at you know the super duperous Celtic team of all time who are teaching the rest of the world a footballing lesson except in Europe, the, um, they haven't managed to win four games in a row for months and it, it's not an easy an easy thing to do and they haven't been easy fixtures for Rangers you know Aberdeen home and away Ross County very defensive performance from them Hibs away to get twelve points that's you know. After the two results we had, I I would have been happy with nine. So twelve, I am doing my happy dance. To be honest, I think a lot of fans would have taken six points. Honestly, um, after the Dundee game, I think a lot of fans would have said, "Let's let's beat Aberdeen and Ross County at home and see what happens away to to, to Aberdeen and Hibs." You know, and I think it's fair to say that three of those four games, the two Aberdeen games and the Hibs game given the injuries and, and everything else and Ryan Jack's suspension, all that sort of stuff, that, you know, it was very difficult to argue we were getting into those games as favourites. The only one we were was Ross County, clearly. Yeah. The others, you know, I think we we spoke about the, the Aberdeen away game being just, you know, could be could be could go either way. You know, we could play them ten times and who knows how it would go. Um so so yeah, it's, it's I, I can't imagine there was any fan anywhere thought we were gonna win the four games in a row after after the Dundee game and Graham Murray's interview after that as well so it's, it's been a, a cracking result for him and uh, all I'll say is a strangely negative moment from, from Mr Optimistic all I'll say is last two performances haven't been great you don't tend to get away with a run of poor performances so I'm hopeful that we play better on Saturday at least um, but also but ultimately I mean it's only the result that matters Yeah we're in a stage where and we're going to be in a stage for quite a long time where that overrides everything and I'm very much of the opinion that right now if you want to see great football there's lots of it on the telly um, but I want to see Rangers win before I want to, to worry about the level of performance that's achieving it and so long as they're getting the three points however you're right, I do agree with that you can't, we did ride a luck at times last night and you can't hope to do that and get away with it continually I suppose the counterpoint to that would be we, we played reasonably well against Hamilton and Dundee and they merged with no points from those two matches. Um, so, to if it's a case of playing like we did against Hamilton, well, let's be honest, we murdered Hamilton. We murdered Hamilton zero two, and uh, yeah. you know ended up with with nothing but but egg in our faces. So, we've got St Johnson at the weekend. You mentioned earlier they got mullered last night at home by Aberdeen. They are not having a good season, and in fact, Rangers have already recorded uh, a very handsome victory away to them earlier this season. Normally, getting a team like that at Ibrox after the 
the kind of away performances we've witnessed from Rangers. We've only dropped those three points at Dundee away from home this season. It's a remarkable run of, of away form from Rangers. And it does even stretch back into last year. Ibrox has not been a fortress for us. No, well, we're not playing well there. And, and we've discussed, uh, you know, certainly you have on various points, you know, potential reasons for that. Um, but, you know, you can identify as many as you like. We just need to understand that, you know, it's been inconsistent at best at home. You know, you can point to a few good performances um, and a few horrendous ones. So, normally St. Johnson are a difficult team to play against, but this season seems to be a season too far for their squad. Um, they seem to be just that, you know, you know the way that squads tend to need to be refreshed every four or five years. Yeah. You know, you'll get a bit of success, but then you need to kind of keep it, you know, keep it fresh and they've had a, a very similar squad for a while now and they, they made a great start to the season but they fell away big time but they're normally really difficult to play against so the fact that we've scalped them three nil at home Aberdeen scalped them three nil at home that's it's not like them at all um, and then and then you look at them and going to, going to Celtic Park and getting a one each draw you know it's, they're all over the place so, so I don't know what to expect from them um, on Saturday uh, but then the problem is we don't know what to expect from Rangers most of the time at the moment Correct. either. So uh, that's uh, it could be quite could be quite interesting in that regard as well. We're struggling a little bit on sheer numbers, I'd say at the moment, Alex, for this game. And obviously Ryan Jack completes his suspension, and it'll be great to have him back. Uh, we, we can certainly do with the option. But with Kenny Miller dropping out now, um, we don't know for how long at this point. The the squad is is pretty stretched. Yes, yeah. The very fact that Bill Jonas made a start in such a big game last night tells you that. Um, luckily, guys like Wilson and Holt, who we've spoke about loads, are stepping up. They're both doing quite well um, in the last few games. So, you know, the squad is stretched, but the, the ones that we've had to call upon are giving us, giving us decent performances. Kenny Miller's injury... You almost get the impression some fans will be happy about that to some extent because you know they've not wanted them playing for weeks. But uh, it's just as you say, it's another body down. It's, it's something we just can't afford at the moment. We've not got a, a high quality, huge number squad as it is anyway. But to to have Wallace, Donnings, and Miller all out at the same time, three very influential players, that's you know that's quite big. Um, and, and most teams would would tend to struggle. When, when you start losing the, the, the kind of influential players like that all at the same time so so yeah um, Miller's injury is, is in no way positive really even no. if you don't believe he should be starting the games uh, it's not it's not a good thing at all definitely not no of course not and I, and yeah that, that that kind of thing I find pretty distasteful to be honest it's like yeah you, you the guy hasn't been playing well but we could do with the body because at the moment we do appear to have a group of players that I would describe as almost non-playing substitutes because they, they, they seem so far removed from being first team options and there seems to be a core group that not only Graham Marty trusts but you could actually argue that Pedro Cashina trusted and the, the remainder of the guys are not players that they feel they can pitch in at the moment for whatever reason because you know, they get named on the bench a lot and they are never called upon no matter the circumstance. Because if you look at this last six match or these last six matches, this run of games, there's been all different types of situations in those. There's been protecting a lead, there's been chasing a game, there's been playing really well but not scoring, there's been playing not too well but scoring. You, you've had every permutation that you could of a, a set of circumstances. And for instance... He's never turned to Nico Crancher. And there are a few players like that that you just think, unless everyone else on that bench, the three or four that he trusts to come on, suddenly falls down with food poisoning a la airplane, he's not going to turn to these guys. And I wonder if, one, that's just you know the state of the situation, but the effect that that has, Alex, on a player's mental readiness to get on the field. Because if you are Nico, you have we've seen him warm up for 60, 70 minutes a few times and never get a sniff of any, any playing minutes. And there must be something in the back of these guys. Mike Dalcio is another one, of course, a kind of famous example or infamous example. They must know 
Christ, I'm really not rated at this club. Yeah, yeah. When again, eighteen-year-old Jamie Baljonas gets in to the midfield, you know, um, and, and and you could even argue if we trusted, say, Lee Hodson more, and I know he had a start recently. But if we trusted him more, there's a good chance that he starts and Tavernier's now goes in the midfield. midfield yeah. But we don't we don't trust him. Uh, well, know, well, we can't because we you know he, he hasn't shown. I mean, his performances were... I've been unimpressed, badly unimpressed with the full-backs defensively the last two matches, but at no point has it occurred to me to go get Hodson in because you're right, I, I just... I'd rather have Declan John and James Tavernier maybe not playing as well as they can in the hope that they will improve as opposed to pitching in Lee Hodson. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and Cranchard's actually the best example. You're right, he's... He's constantly on the sidelines warming up, um, and never been brought on. Even, even in games that we're winning, you know, for example, the the Partick Thistle game, three 0 win. You know, you would have thought that three 0 up after fifty minutes, you would have thought that you know that's the sort of game you'd get him on with a bit more time. But I think I don't know if he came on that day. I'm, I can't quite remember, but. If he did, he got about 10 minutes. No, he, you know, he, he did. A, no, he, was a sub appearance recently. He, 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 came on, he came on in the Thistle game, and I think that's what's killed his season. Um, because he came on, we were 3-0 up, and he was really poor. Uh, and he, he looked... Was, yeah. he, he blundered about, he didn't look fit. He, he he looked like a guy who just should not... He didn't belong, and you could see it on that field. And it was kind of sad to watch. And I, I think after that, Murray's just thought to himself, because the... We were chasing against Hamilton, no Nicol Cranshaw, and you think in the back of your head, well, you know, he's got that strike on him and, you know, he has the ability to maybe just play a part. Nope, not considered. Dundee, nope, not considered. Now, I can understand the Aberdeen matches, the way that they were poised and, and the Hib matches that you wouldn't necessarily think to put him on. But even even the likes of Saturday when we were not playing well against Ross County, we were chasing a goal for large parts of it. Uh, he was warming up right in front of where I sit at Ibrox for the vast majority of the game and at no point did Graham Murray ever look as though he was going to select him and I think he must know I think he must know but the, the, to me that begs the question because I don't think Murray's the type of guy who uh, he strikes me as a practical fella and I don't think he's the type of guy that just writes off a player based on anything other than football so to me I hate to say it but it indicates that in, in the case of Cranshaw that Whatever was there, this last injury has has decimated. Potentially, yeah. And as you say, mentally it's difficult for players to to be out for a while, to to be sitting in the sidelines, to be on the bench every game and never getting on, and then suddenly to be pitched in. It's what made Penya's performances against Aberdeen all the more impressive because he looked as though he was, you know, nowhere to be found and, and totally done before his time as a Rangers player was up. Um, he came in came in at two games against Aberdeen and played well, but. Uh, again, he patched him into that position, the very position that you would think Nico Cranchar could play brilliantly for us. He put Pena in, who hadn't been seen at all, in front of Cranchar for those games, which, yeah, as you say, says quite a bit about how much Murray thinks this guy's you know, ready for it. You're right, Murray's a very practical manager, and that's why David Bates is ahead of Cardoso at the moment, is because he thinks, I need a defender who will just defend, yeah. you know? Um, I need that option and that's why I like David Bates because that's what he does best and you know I think the boy's got a bit of a future I don't know if it's the Rangers but I think he'll do okay in his career uh, because he's got you know natural defensive instincts and he's quite good at that stuff uh, It's trust it's again good. isn't it it's trust you you can trust David Bates to do a certain thing and yeah, exactly, as yeah. you say I mean Fabio Cardoso I think pretty much undoubtedly has more ability and has you know a much stronger technical side to his game, but at the moment, absolutely, Marty just doesn't feel that he can trust certain players. Whereas he knows David Bates for his limitations will do X, and I need somebody to go in there and do X. And I think that that has kind of taken an already kind of small squad and almost reduced it further. And I'm not criticising Graham Marty for this, incidentally, because I don't know if he can. I mean, I'm not clamouring for the returns of. Cardoso, Hodson, Cranchard I don't think they've shown enough but it does demonstrate the need for us come January Alex to add bodies hopefully quality ones but even loan deals we need to get people coming back in and and that has prompted Alex people to ask about loan players now with loans you can't always bring 
people back because you sign a contract for a year and effectively it's a transfer for a year. You can't just, unless you've placed a special clause in the contract. The one that, that keeps coming up that people are talking about, and I think from the noises come from Ibrox, it is a possibility, would be Michael O'Halloran. What would your thoughts be on, if it's possible, trying to recall some of the players that we've got out on loan? Um, it's worth pointing out, David, that O'Halloran's loan's only until January. Oh, well, um, and I think, I don't know if it's Forrester or Dodo, one of the others is as well, um, possibly both of them. So so these players will come back unless their, their clubs want them to, to stay longer. Um, and even if they did want them to stay longer and we decide not to, that's, you know, the players will come back. But you've just spoken there about, you know, trust about finding a player who can consistently do something. And it might not be, they might not be as talented as, as the other guy, but they're, they're consistently more going to give you a six or seven out of ten and not have the four or five out of ten. Um, and O'Halloran is not someone you can trust to be consistent. Um, we've seen that already. He's had people talk about him not having chances at Rangers. He's had them. And you'll get one good game out of five if you're lucky. Um, so he's that player that you might come back in just to be a body in the squad, but I doubt he'll make any major impact in the first team. Um, and certainly the other lone players, the only one who would have potentially been useful at the moment would have been Andy Halliday. Oh, and yeah. he is away for the season and we won't be able to recall him. So... Um, I, I think the rest of them I don't think they have a future at Rangers I just don't see it uh, we've, we've given these guys chances possibly with the exception of Dodo um, and consistency hasn't been there and you know Murray's the sort of manager if it's going to be him or, or whoever comes in I would imagine they'll be looking for who they can trust first and then you know building from there Loan market? We'll be daft if we don't use it uh, but it's just what sort of quality of player we can get is the issue, because even a even a good quality youngster in England is out by for price range, yeah. you know, in terms of wages that we can pay. Uh, so hopefully there's some Scandinavian, Spanish, you know, whatever player out there not getting much a game that we can go and snatch in a six month loan who comes in and is, is brilliant, but. Uh, it's, any market's tricky when you're shopping with the resources we've got. We know that, but we'd be crazy not to use it, use the loan market. I, I'm not, I'm not one for for dismissing that. A lot of people say, oh, "Why don't we just use our own players?" If our own players were good enough, we wouldn't have had to win go to the loan guy in the first place. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I would. Uh, we'd be crazy not to use it, and it would be nice to get someone in who makes the impact that Heinemann made um, to begin with Initially, last season. Yeah. That would be lovely, but uh, it's not easy to find. Well, you need that in a loan player because if you look at the example of, say, Aaron the man, and I'm not picking on him here because he's tiny and it would be really offside of me to do so, <laughs> but um, he, a loan like that is not a lot of usage. You need someone who can come in and have an impact immediately. Now, whether or not that's possible with a youngster is a good question um, because, yes, you will get talented players from bigger clubs not bigger clubs, but you know what I mean, richer clubs. You will get talented players from them, but there's a reason that they are going out on loan. It's to try and get the experience that requires to, to push into a first team. So it may be a case of going after, as you say, some of these guys who are a little bit older, more experienced, and just not, not quoted at their clubs for game time. And, and that market, by definition, isn't full of of sparkling diamonds. It just it, it's not. And you need guys who will come in. I think that... The position, I would say, we're absolutely covered in the centre-half. I think we're, we're fine there. Um, and I, I've complained about the performances of certain certain players at time, and will again, but we've got options in there, you know, and we could we could carry an injury or a suspension in there. The rest of the park, I think all over, we could do with a little bit of strength because there's not really a lot of depth to any position, as, as witnessed last night by the fact we've got Ross McCrory, within 10 games has become one of our most important players, if not the key player. And yes, the system we're playing matters, but again last night, McCrory and Jason Holt next to him, I'll say as well, and young Berzonis didn't hide, I don't think he played well, but he didn't hide, but McCrory's dig in midfield and his constant harrying and harassing of people on the ball is something that Rangers have lacked since the Walter Smith days. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of uh, Kevin Thompson in that position, actually. He's got this uncanny ability to to win a ball that you think, oh, he's going to have to foul him. Oh, wait, no, he doesn't. 
you know, he's got a way of getting his body in yep. between a player and the ball. That uh, you know, not most players can do it, and they just fill the guy, you know. But McCrory seems to have that ability. And Kevin Thompson's the last player I can remember as having who had that as well. You know, certainly wasn't scared to, to uh, rattle him with a challenge if he needed to, no. but he was actually really, really good at staying in his feet and just getting in front of people and getting the ball away from them, and then having the composure when he was on it to, to find a pass. You know, it wasn't it wasn't just you know kind of win it and hope for the best. No. So. Uh, he reminds me a lot um, of, of Kevin Thompson in that position, and he's you know he's very good in the ball. He is, as you say, as we spoke about already uh, in the past already, one of our, our main men. Um, despite not that many starts, he played pretty well last night against that. Uh, I know he's not liked by the Rangers fans, but John McGinn is a very good midfielder in this league. He is. And uh, McCrory more than handled him, yeah. but, which is why you know eventually Hibbs just started playing everything wide and tried to go there. Oh, absolutely! McCrory just shut that door. Absolutely, you know? they had but to. That, you know, they, they were trying to play it off as a tactical thing, but it was because they couldn't play through the midfield that they had to go out to, to the wide areas and then we as we spoke about countered that and they had to play from deep but um, you're absolutely right he was up against you know super duper 5 million rated John McGinn and uh, he's got a sort of astute physicality and you mentioned that they are of being able to use his body intelligently and not give away silly fouls he also has that wee stri- uh, streak of cynicism I like that he'll empty somebody if it needs <laughs> it needs doing. And uh, silly booking last night, which I hope he'll learn from because, you know, if you're a tackler, if you're going to get a yellow card, make sure it's for a useful tackle. You know, don't don't sell a booking. And he did that last night, but that's just inexperience and that, that'll come through time with him. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited by him. And it, it's a testament that the opportunity is there at Rangers if you come into the team and you grab your moment and you own it. And he has done that to to the fact now that I I don't think of him as a promising kid. I don't think of him as a guy who's emerging. I now think of him as, you know, like Tav, Alves, McCrory, Morello, you know, first teamers. He's in that list. And to have changed the perception from debuting kid to that in the space of time he does is testament not only to a high level of ability because you don't get to get to you know, make your debut for Rangers if you don't have ability. It's the ability to then demonstrate it consistently and calmly that, that catches out a lot of players. And he's shown that and I, I just think he's having a remarkable season. Yeah, yeah, it's the difference, as you say, between a, a good Rangers player and a great one is his mentality. And he has a mentality that makes it look as though he's going to be a great Rangers player. Um, and already we're worried about how long we can keep him, mm. such as his level of, of performance. Um, you know, sometimes people people kind of try and temper this by going, ah, we said same about Andy Murdoch in the past or Reese McCabe, you know, they'll drop names in like that. I don't think anybody, and I'll, since Barry Ferguson's days, has come in and impressed every fan as much as Ross McCrory has. You know, never, no one's got a bad word about him at all. There was always a debate about players like Murdoch and McCabe or even Jamie Ness, who looked good at the time, you know, his first breakthrough. There was always a bit of a debate with fans, some just didn't rate him or whatever. There's not one Rangers fan that doesn't rate Ross McCrory, and that's a, you know, that's a, that's a huge thing. Yeah, absolutely. Christ. <laughs> and there's been more experienced and more expensive players than him that have uh, not managed to cross that threshold. So, so yeah. fair play yeah. to him for that. So, Alex, before we uh, head off today, we obviously finish up with our predictions for, for Saturday's match. I can see it being another fairly turgid afternoon at Ibrox. And I still, though, think Rangers will emerge with the three points. I'm going for five in a row, and I'm going Rangers to do it by one goal to nil. I'll be slightly more optimistic than that and say two nil. Um, uh, mainly, as you say, I think it will be just one of those days, freezing cold weather, St Johnson there just to spoil the game and try and hit us on the break. Um, it won't be you know, great fun, but I think we will play better than we have in our last two games. Um, we'll get a couple of goals and we'll just kind of manage the game um, um, largely. So, yeah, that'd be my similar prediction to yourself, just, just with a wee extra goal in there. 
if if we were to do that and we were two 0 up and comfortable for the last half hour, for example, I genuinely think I might indulge in self pleasure in the stand because I'd be so happy. That would be great to just not be shitting ourselves for the last twenty minutes of a match, or being apoplectic in rage at what we're seeing would would would, would just be lovely. But uh, no, we've got that to look forward to, and to look forward to on heart and hand. We of course will be back on Monday with our flagship pod, which is free, always will be, and you'll get it in all usual places. But if you want to hear a bit more from the likes of myself or Alex and um, please visit Heart and Hand's Patreon site which is patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash heart and hand where you can sign up to receive extra content um, you can take one of two subscription pledges one is $1.99 per month and one is $3.99 per month it's the US dollars to make it cheaper and it works at about $1.74 a month for the earlier pledge and obviously $3.48 uh, on, on the other $3.48 sorry on the, the second pledge and for that you get loads of extra content we've got tons out there people are actually saying to us we can't believe how much content is going out there you don't have to listen to it all by the way if you've signed up thank you if you have 1500 of you have and we really appreciate it but uh, there's, there's loads there including our, look, our in-depth look at the advocate years we've got two episodes of that show up our debate show last week I won't spoil it for anyone who didn't hear the result, but Alex argued with Cammy over whether or not Kenny Miller was a Rangers legend. This week, Alex argues with me over the the term uh, "we are Rangers." Does it hold us back that feeling of "we are Rangers" and that sort of inbuilt superiority, and that we should be achieving certain levels? And we had a lot of fun doing that debate as well. It drops tomorrow, but there are new shows, new contents, daily updates, loads and loads of stuff. Please come and pay us a visit. Everyone who's been so far has enjoyed it. We haven't had one refund request yet. So, in fact, many people have upped us subscriptions from 199 to the 3.99 to get even more content so um, we're, we're taking that as a positive so please come along if you don't want to do that though still plenty of extra free stuff available you can go to our youtube channel which is just youtube.com forward slash heart and hand podcast and you'll find uh, videos that we do on there as well and uh, i think that's that's pretty much all our plugs you can contact me uh, on twitter i'm at ibrox rocks alex is at strider 80 if you want to read more of what alex has got to produce where can they go uh, rangersnews.uk or forwards had a dream on wordpress i will say it as well just very quickly the other guys who are doing the writing on both are doing great jobs and it's, it's well worth a read guys it really is thank you very much for listening folks my name's david edgar and i'll talk to you all again on monday cheers bye Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.